if you have your Bibles, go ahead and you can be turning to uh, Romans, the 8th chapter. Romans, the 8th chapter. We're going to read once again verses 12 through 14. I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So let's pray God's blessing upon His Word. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your Word. And as already been said, Lord, help us to take your Word. Lord, let it be implanted within us that we might grow thereby. So, Lord, just pour out your Spirit upon us. You know every heart that's here. You know every heart that's listening. Lord, you know. So I pray, Lord, that you would do a work that only you can do for each and every one. Lord, open your Word to us. Help us to know you more. Lord, help us to know who we are before you. And for some, that will be knowing that we are indeed your child, but for others, perhaps... Today would be a day that you would open eyes to let someone see that they are far from you and are in need of Christ, our Savior. So Holy Spirit, move. Word of God, speak. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Last Sunday I talked about the the two differing uh, spiritual identity that Paul is talking about here. First, Those who live according to the flesh. Well, who is this? Well, this is the unbeliever. This is the ones who are lost, the unsaved, those without Christ. And without Christ, they are spiritually dead, dead in their trespasses and sins. They they are if if they physically die in this condition, they will remain spiritually dead. They will experience then the wrath of God. You understand what I'm saying? No second chances after this life is over. They're dead spiritually, yet alive in this body of flesh, this mortal body. But when this body goes back to the dust of the ground from which it came, no second chances. No more time for salvation and redemption after that moment. There's eternal fate is sealed. It's that moment. Judgment. Judgment. And for them, second death. And I talked about this last Sunday, just a couple of verses, just as of a reminder, Revelation uh, 20, verses 14 through 15, because there are some who think that, well, you die, you die. You're just obliterated. It's total annihilation. It's total extinction. No, no, it's not. It's eternity. We're all, we are all going to face eternity. Believers and unbelievers, we are all going to face eternity. In Revelation 20, uh, verses 14 and 15, Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And we mentioned also of what Jesus himself said in Matthew 25, Verse 46, and these will go away 
into everlasting punishment. And this is talking of the unrighteous, those whose names were not found in the book of life. But And these will go away into everlast, everlasting, get that, everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Eternal life with Christ. The righteous are those who walk according to the Spirit. They have been born of the Spirit, having believed the gospel of Jesus Christ, confessing their sins, repenting, receiving Christ, and proclaiming Jesus is Lord. The righteous will not come under judgment for sin. Do we all understand that? We will not come under judgment for sin. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. Because Jesus paid the penalty for our sin, for all who would believe Jesus paid the penalty. We will not face judgment for sin. We will not face the second death. The second death will have no power on us. We will have eternity with Christ. No condemnation to those who are in Christ. That's Romans 8.1. We talked about it to quite extent uh, over the last several weeks. There is therefore now no condemnation, none, none, to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. No condemnation because Jesus has bore our sins upon the cross. The penalty for the born again, our, the penalty has been paid by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In Romans 8, let's, read, let's go ahead and read verses 2 through 4. For the law of, of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Why? That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. If you have the Spirit, you are His. If you don't have the Spirit, you're not His. Let's go back to Romans 8, verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. This is the identity of the unbeliever. You understand that, correct? For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit... You put, the, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This is the born again. And here Paul gives a call to action for all who are led by the Spirit, for those who live and walk according to the Spirit. And what is that call to action that he's asking for? Put to death the deeds of the body. Well, what does that mean? Put to death the deeds of the body. How does this happen? Uh, how does this take place? And, and I, as I was reading several different uh, sermons and, and commentaries, um, I came across what John Stott wrote. And let me just read. Quote, We note at once that it is something that we have to do. He's talking about put to death the deeds of the body. He says this is something that we have to do. It is not a question of dying or of being put to death, but of putting to death. In the work of mortification, 
And, and he takes that word because the King James Version uh, of that verse says, if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body. That word mortify uh, really means to kill, to be killing sin. So in the work of mortification, we are not passive. We understand that. In the, in the work of killing sin, of putting to death the deeds of the body, we're not to be passive. Waiting for it to be done to us or for us. You know that old adage, I, I, just let go and let God. I, I, I Personally, I hate that. No. No. Yeah, just sit back in your in your easy chair and just let God do all the work. Well, Christ has done the work of redemption. And now we are to work for Him. Being led by the Spirit. So, so let's go back to John Stott here. On the contrary, we are responsible for putting to death the deeds of the body. True, Paul immediately adds that we can put to death the deeds of the body only by the Spirit. Amen. That's true. We can, we can only do it by the Spirit. We can't do it of ourselves. Only by the Spirit, by His agency and power, for only He can give us the desire, determination, and discipline to reject evil. Nevertheless, it is we who must take the initiative to act. End quote. Yeah, I, anytime I read this and anytime I talk about it, I think of, of a, a sermon by John Piper that I listened to and he, and he talked about just the, the, the conundry of it all. Uh, I, I must do this, but I must, I, I must do it through His power. It's, it's, it's Him, but it's, it's, it's me doing it. And, and He just goes back and forth. You see what I'm saying? We must do it, but it must be done in His strength and in His power. A call to action, to do something, to put to death the deeds of the body. And, and Paul spoke in much the same way back in Romans 6. Let's go to Romans 6, verses 12 and 13. And as I, I was reading this, and, and I went back to the old notes of Romans 6 um, when we were preaching on this particular passage, and I, and I jumped forward to Romans 8 for a little bit. And as I was reading um, uh, Lloyd-Jones, he did the same thing because because I uh, each each one of his for each chapter in Romans there's a volume, and and so in in his volume six he talked about all of these things. When I got to volume eight as I was reading it about chapter eight, he goes back and talks about a lot of the same things. So you're going to hear a lot of the same things. You're going to hear a lot of the same illustrations and and quotes that that we made probably six seven months ago. But we need reminders. I do. Because I read it and I went, wow. I needed that reminder. And so I pray that we all need these reminders. Romans 6, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, now here's a call to action. Remember? Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, 
but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Therefore, in light of who you are and in light of what you know, according to the Word of God, do not let sin reign. Can somebody else do that for you? No, this is you. This is you. This is you. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. An admonition from Paul, don't let sin reign, much as in Romans 8, 8, put to death the deeds of the body. These are exhortations to work, to do something. But will we do it? Will I do it? Will you do it? Will we be at work putting to death the deeds of the body? Some of you may remember a John MacArthur quote uh, that, that we read months ago. And this is, this is good. I agree with this. I would say amen, John. And he said this, Sin has no power to control a believer unless the believer chooses to obey its lusts. Agreed? I I think that's solid. Sin has no power to control a believer unless the believer chooses, unless the believer relinquishes to obey its lusts. So will we choose to let sin reign? Will we choose not to put to death the deeds of the body? To not by the Spirit, be killing sin? Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts, this body. and it's, See, here, here's the battle that we face, and we've talked about this quite often. If you are born again, you are a new creature, a new creation. Amen? You're a new spiritual being. You were once dead in your trespasses and sins, but through grace and mercy of God, you have been made alive, a new creation in Christ. Now, we are this new creation in Christ, but looky, looky, we're walking around in what? This old mortal body. And this old mortal body has some baggage and some things that remains with it as long as it's still alive. There are, it is prone to temptation. It is prone to lust. And, and a lot of these temptations are, are natural things, but sin gets involved and turns it differently. Do you understand what, it, what, what I'm talking about? And, and I can remember when we talked about that months ago, you know, the, 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 the desire for food is a natural thing, and we need food. We have to have food. But... Temptation and lust gets involved over indulgence, gluttony. You know, sex within the the, the realm and, and the bonds of marriage is a good thing. Children come from this. A marital pleasure comes from this. But when lust gets involved, it it turns into fornication and adultery. So so do you see? It, it it's when it gets turned by our thoughts and the wickedness, the, the wicked thoughts would come and it turns it into these lusts 
which can fall into sin. Lust and sinful desire stemming from this mortal body, our minds and our imaginations. I tell you, just in our thinking. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. I hope we can all get a grip on, on all of this. Because Paul says this of his body in 1 Corinthians. Let's go to chapter 9. Let's go verses 24 through 27. And as I looked at this, I thought, well, it's not been too long ago we looked at it, but we're going to look at it again. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. The ESV uh, translates it, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Temperate, talking of self-control. Now they do, do it to obtain a perishable crown. Talking about the runner who is running. They do it to obtain a perishable crown. If they win, they get the crown. Think of the Olympics. You get done, you get the... Whatever it is, back in this, back in the Roman days, they got an actual wreath that they could put on their head. Uh, now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we, the children of God, we do this for a imperishable crown. Then Paul says, verse twenty-six: Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. ESV says, "So I run not aimlessly. I do not run aimlessly." And when I when I consider that, I think of what Paul said in uh, Philippians 3 when he says, I press toward the mark, I press toward the goal. It's not aimless. We have a mark that we're pressing to, the goal of the upward call of Christ Jesus. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight. Not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection now he's talking about his physical body this mortal body bring it into subjection under control he is exhibiting self-control which is listed among the fruit of the spirit self-control and and let me take just a moment that greek word for subjection is doulagio it's from the same uh, root greek word for doulos that we've talked about quite a lot over the past months and, and years which do last, do you remember what it means? Slave, slave. And, and so to, to bring it into subjection from the root word of slave, so do you see what it's saying? To, to make your body your slave. Uh, John MacArthur said it this way. Most people, quote, most people, including many Christians, are instead slaves to their body. Their bodies tell their mind what to do. Their bodies decide when to eat, what to eat, how much to eat, when to sleep, and get up, and so on. An athlete cannot do that. He follows the training rules, not his body. He runs when he would rather be resting. He eats a balanced meal when he would rather have a chocolate sundae. He goes to bed when he would rather stay up, and he gets up early to train when he would rather stay in bed. An athlete leads his body. He does not follow it. It is his slave, not the other way around, end quote. And I thought that's very good. May we make our bodies, may I make my body my slave 
And I have trouble with that from time to time. Therefore, let's, let's, let's get back into 1 Corinthians. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight. Not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now, anytime I read that, especially from the pulpit, I feel I need to qualify this <laughs> a little bit. What's he saying there? What's he meaning? What do you mean? Is Paul saying he might become disqualified? Does that, does that mean, is he talking about we're going to lose our salvation? No. 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 For the born-again believer, what can separate us from the love of God? Anything? No. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, let's, let's read this just, just to confirm it in our minds once again. John 10, verse 27 through 29. My sheep hear my voice. And when the Lord is talking about his sheep, who's he talking about? His children, the believers. And so he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them, what? Say it. Eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Do you believe that? Born again, child of God, do you believe that? Get that firm and solid in your mind. You are His. You are His child. You've been adopted into His family, and nothing, nothing can overturn that. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. And just let me talk about this for a little bit, because I know some thoughts may be, well, wait a minute, I know some people who were following the Lord, and 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 they I know even some preachers and they were pretty good and and then all of a sudden something happens and they're gone and you never see them in the pulpit again you they never see them in church or never and, and so they fell away something got them out of the father's hands well wait a minute what's that an indication of they were never his they went out from us because they were not of us they were not truly born again that they, they, they flashed up for a little while. They were seed perhaps on stony ground. They were not in Christ, you see. So we must always understand that for the truly born again, the, the greatest evidence of someone who is born again is that they will persevere to the end. Yes, perhaps they will be, there will be momentary lapses. Perhaps there will be those, those times where we're disobedient. And the Lord will discipline us. But I guarantee you this. If you are truly born again and you're His sheep, he will, when you stray from the fold, He will come for you. And He will bring you back. And it may not be pleasant the way He brings you back. So understand that. So for the true believer, I'm talking the true born again believer. Not, not someone who just makes a a profession with their lips, but their heart is far from Him. Not talking about that one. Not talking about the one who says, Lord, Lord. So go to Matthew 7. You can read all that. For the true believer, 
There is no one, there is no thing that can take us from the Father's hand because we're being kept by the great power of, of God. That's from First Peter, first chapter. So what does Paul mean when he says become disqualified? Well, what did he just say? He said, lest when I have preached to others, I would be disqualified. Here's how I see this. I believe this, that when a Christian succumbs to various lusts of the flesh, they can destroy their witness. They can destroy their testimony before others. And in doing so, in succumbing to some sins, when you read the qualifications for a pastor or a preacher, you can become disqualified because of certain sins that you fall into. And so I believe that's where I'm at today. On that. that, that's how I see this. Because he was just talking about uh, uh, having preached to others that he would become disqualified. So I, in that, I think he's talking about uh, those who have succumbed to sin. Because we, you can probably think of a lot, some very high-profile preachers that that did not uh, bring their bodies into submission, but rather followed after fleshly lusts and desires and and those desires could have been many things it could have been uh, the desires of the flesh it could have been uh, for power for money for a multitude of different things and by doing such a thing biblically speaking disqualified if they were born again did they lose their faith no but disqualified from certain roles let's go to first corinthians 6 1 Corinthians 6. Because Paul had talked about this in, in 1 Corinthians. This, <laughs> this church, this group of people needed a talking to, didn't they? And we do too. I do. And, and he talked about the body and its desires, and in particular, sexual immorality uh, here in this passage. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 12 through, let's read through 20. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. There's a good lesson to be learned right there. Everything that you can do, that it, should you do? No. We need to ask ourselves, is that helpful? And, and I know... Our grandkids have heard that question after they've said something. Well, was that helpful? And perhaps we need to ask that same thing to ourselves when we blurt out something. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And and we know he was talking about foods and dietary restrictions, a lot of different things. Food for the stomach and stomach for foods. But God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. We're talking about the body. Don't think this is just trash. It's not. It's to be used for Him. It's the Lord's body, this mortal body. Verse 14. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. And Paul talked about this in great lengths in in Romans, hasn't he? 
Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Does that sound familiar? Shall we sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Paul uses that over and over. Verse 16. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. And he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Is that something that someone else can do for you? No. You. Me. We have to do this. Flee. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. And he had just talked about it because you make your body a member with a harlot. He just talked about that. Verse 19, or do you not know? Now listen, now listen. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? The Holy Spirit in this jar of clay, you see. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Pretty plain, isn't it? This body is not ours to do with as we please. Do we get that? It's the Lord's body. It's the Lord's body. We were bought at a price. So therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Flee sexual immorality. <laughs> Paul makes a sim- or Peter makes a similar appeal in 1 Peter 2 verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. We've heard that in our openings the last few Sundays, haven't we? Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from from fleshly lusts, now listen to this, which war against the soul. See, here Peter states it as a condition of war. And one may ask, well, who who are we at war with? (laughs) Who, Who is the enemy that we're all fighting? Now, the quick answer would be this, wouldn't it? The devil. There'd be your quick answer, we're fighting the devil. But isn't it much more? It's much more. Couldn't we say the world, the flesh, and the devil? In Ephesians 2, first six verses. Ephesians 2, 1 through 6. And you, he, the Lord, made alive, you who were dead in trespasses and sins. See, here, here Paul gives that contrast between life apart from Christ and, and life in Christ. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world. And let me pause there for a minute. In other words, the ESV says following the course of this world. Meaning, meaning following the ways of culture and the ways of society that oppose God. And how prevalent is that in this day and age? Social media can be used for good, but oh my goodness, the filth, the garbage that is poured out there, right? In which you once walked according to the course of this world, 
following the culture, following society, the ungodly trends of the world, you see, according to the prince of the power of the air. Who is the prince of the power of the air? Well, we know who this is. This is the devil. This is our adversary. This is the roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Who's the sons of disobedience? This is the lost. This is the unbelievers. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. All. That was once all of us. But now for those in Christ, we have been born again. And we are called to put to death the deeds of the body. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Lusts of the flesh are mortal bodies. The desires and lusts, it's, it's for much more than just sexual fulfillment. It's materialism. It, it's instant gratification for whatever it may be. And we're in that society, aren't we? We want instant gratification. If our internet too slow, if, if we don't if we don't have it right then, we get frustrated and upset. Instant gratification of the mind, our thinking. When we make deliberate choices that outright defy the will of God and go against His word. I have, I venture to say, you have too, in momentary sin. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But child of God, it does not end there. And that is not us any longer. Verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us set together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This world is not our home any longer. Our citizenship is in heaven. Yes, we. if you're here a citizen of the United States, yes. But spiritually, our citizenship is in heaven. Now listen, let, let's go to 1 John, 2nd chapter 12 through 17. We're going we're gonna to read a lot today. 1 John 2, verses 12 through 17. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I write to you, fathers, because you have known Him, the Heavenly Father, you see. You have known Him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I've written to you, fathers, because you have known Him who is from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the Word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Amen? Don't become too attached to things. Now, now I like things. You come to my house, you see things. It's usually old things that take me back to my childhood. You go out in my garage, you see things. 
Is there anything wrong with things? No, not as long as they're in their proper place. Do I worship any of these things? Of course not. Do I like them? Yeah, I do. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of God is not in him. In other words, where's your allegiance? That's what it's asking. Where's your allegiance? Now listen, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Who's the one who does the will of God? Well, it's the true born-again believer. So we, may we, by the Spirit, be killing sin in our lives. Let, let's read that Romans 6, 12, 13 one more time. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you may obey its should obey it in its lusts, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Your members. Again, it's talking about the parts of the body. Your hands, your feet, your eyes, all the parts of your body. Do not present them to be used as instruments of unrighteousness. Who is the one who would do that? Us. That's us. We are the ones that are presenting our bodies to whatever it is we're presenting it to, either to the Lord or to these things that are just mentioned here. It's us. Do, do, we, do we understand that? The responsibility of us. So may we not allow the members of our body to be used as instruments of unrighteousness. Do not put them at sin's disposal. Do not put them in sin's path. Don't make them available to be used by sin, but rather be killing the deeds of the body. Well, how do I do that? You've been talking about this, preacher. Tell me how. How do I do this? Well, if I was going to give you a passage to go to, which I, I can't just give you my opinion, can I? I could. But let's take the Word of God. What's, let's go to Ephesians 6. I don't, I don't think there's a better place to go than here. And as soon as I said Ephesians 6, you already know, many of you have this uh, memorized. Verses 10 through 18. So how do we do it? Well, we take a stand. If you've been struggling with some sin in your life, would you today make a determination of heart? To say, today I'm taking a stand. By the power of the Spirit of God that's in me, I'm taking a stand. And I'm going to be looking to God. I'm going to be turning my eyes to God. I'm going to be looking to Him instead of looking to this whatever. Take a stand. Not in our power and strength, but in His power and might. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, 
Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, ESV says in all circumstances, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. How important is that, child of God? Your faith. Your faith. Faith is a victory over sin. Your faith. Where did we get our faith? Well, it's my intelligence. I mustered it up. No, no. We've talked about this. It's a gift of God. God has given it to you. Above all, taking the shield of faith which, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Do you believe it, child of God? <laughs> Did you believe it this morning when the fiery darts came? Say, so it's easy to talk about this stuff, isn't it? It's a little bit harder to put it into practice, but that's what we're called to do. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication of the saints. So don't be deceived by sin. Don't get a peacetime mentality towards sin, but rather fight the good fight of faith. How often have we heard in the Word of God phrases such as that? Fight the good fight of faith. Because, child of God, we are at war with sin. Are we not? We're at war with sin. At war with the fiery darts of the devil. At war with our own lusts and desires. Child of God, daily, daily at war with sin. And then I must ask myself, and you must ask yourself, I hope you would, am I daily killing sin that tries to invade my life? Some of you are probably wondering, well, is he going to read that John Owen quote? Yes, I am. John Owen, in regard to the great Puritan preacher, said this in regard to killing sin. Quote, do you make it your daily work? Should, should be. Be always at it whilst you live. Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. If we do not abide in prayer, we will abide in temptation. Let this be one aspect of our daily intercession. God, preserve my soul and keep my heart and all its ways so that I will not be entangled don't become entangled again. Those sins that so easily ensnare us, you see. Let me keep going. When this is true in our lives, a passing temptation will not overcome us. We will remain free while others lie in bondage. Be killing sin. I, 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 last night I, I was reading and I told Barbara, I said, listen, listen to this, listen to Lloyd-Jones Go on this, I almost want to say rant, but it wasn't just a rant. It was good stuff. And and I said, i got to read this. And I believe I've read most of this or maybe all of this before at some point. 
But, but listen, this is Lloyd-Jones, Martin Lloyd-Jones, talking about the battle with sin. Quote, We are having a terrible fight and battle with sin. We tend to fall constantly and to go down. What can I do about this problem of sin and evil that is in me? Where can I find relief? Here I am thus struggling, striving, defeated, and unhappy. Suddenly I look at an advertisement which says, Come to the clinic. And he says, I am quoting actual words. So this was some 60 years ago that he saw an advertisement or a billboard perhaps that said, come to the clinic. It was a church, you know, not, not, a, not a medical facility, but a church. He says, suddenly I look at an advertisement which says, come to the clinic. I'm quoting actual words that are used. Come to the clinic. What you need, we're told, is to come to the clinic to the spiritual hospital, and here your sicknesses and your illnesses can be dealt with. But as I read the verses that we are studying, I see no suggestion whatsoever of a clinic. Rather, I find a barracks. You see where he's going? I find a barracks. Not a hospital, but a military center. What do I need? What do I find? I do not find a doctor here. What we all need is not a doctor, but a sergeant major. Here we are, as it were, slouching about the parade ground, feeling our own pulses, feeling miserable, talking about our weaknesses. So we say, I need a doctor. I need to go to the clinic. I need to see the medical officer. But this is not right. What you need is to listen to the voice of the sergeant major who is there shouting out the commands of God to you. Let not sin reign in your mortal body. Yield not your members as instruments of unrighteousness sin. Be putting to death the deeds of the body. Yield yourself unto God. You have no business to be slouching about like that. Stand on your feet. Realize who and what you are. Enlisted in the army of God. Present yourself. End quote. So I sat there last night and let that beat me up a little bit. And thought, I'll share it with you. Child of God, don't be deceived. We are in a daily battle. A battle with sin, with the lust of the flesh, this mortal body. And may we stay on the alert, be vigilant. By the power of the Holy Spirit within us, we must exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. And a huge part of that is self-control. I'm going to read some John Piper This is from one of John's sermons. And typically, if we're on a trip or we're going somewhere, if we're not listening to the Bible, I'm so thankful for Bluetooth. I can pull it up, just boom, and just the Bible's being read to me. If If we're not doing that, we're listening to usually one of these guys, either Piper, MacArthur, Begg, or we're listening to someone who is reading a Spurgeon sermon or something like that. I'm so thankful for that. And so here, this was from a Piper sermon. And listen, listen. There is a mean streak to authentic self-control. <laughs> I, I get what he's saying. There's a mean streak to authentic self-control. We're called to have self-control. Self-control is not for the timid. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Self-control is not for the timid. When we want to grow in it, not only 
do we nurture an exuberance for Jesus Christ, we also we also demand of ourselves a hatred for sin. The only possible attitude toward out-of-control desire is a declaration of all-out war. And he goes on to say, there is something about war that sharpens the senses. I've never been in battle. I know some of you have. Perhaps it's something like this. You hear a twig snap or the rustling of leaves and you're in attack mode. Someone coughs and you're ready to pull the trigger. Even after days of little or no sleep, war keeps you vigilant. See, that should be us as children of God. There is a mean, violent streak in the true Christian life. But violence against whom or what? Not other people. It's a violence against all the impulses in our own selves that would make peace with our own sin and settle in with a peacetime mentality. It's a violence against all lust in ourselves and enslaving desires for food or caffeine or sugar or chocolate or alcohol or pornography or money or the praise of men or the approval of others or power or fame. It's violence against our lustful impulses. Christianity is not a settle in and live at peace with this world the way it is kind of religion. Christianity is war. War on our own sinful impulses. End quote. And again, not of our own doing can we do this, but by the Spirit. And armed with the sword. So brothers and sisters, we are at war, or we should be at war with our thoughts and impulses, at war with sin, at war with the deeds of body of our body that would tempt us to sin. Now, as a true believer, as a child of God, yes, we fight from a standpoint of victory. Never lose sight of that. We fight from a standpoint of victory. Faith is the victory. But the promise of guaranteed victory is not a call to lay our armor and weapons down. Because some people have that attitude. I'm in Christ. My eternal destiny and is, is secure in Christ. I'll just sit back and wait till he comes for me. No, that's not what we're called to do. We're supposed to be out there. We're to put on the armor and pick up the sword of the Spirit and look confidently to God for the strength to fight and win these battles. Yes, the ultimate war has been won through Jesus Christ our Lord, but while we are still walking around in these mortal bodies, daily battles are still going on. Amen? So we, may we have a heart's cry to be equipped for battle. Let's, one, another passage, Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. So we know, we know what Paul has talked about in chapter 6 because we looked at it again today. We know what he talked about in chapter 8. And guess, looky, looky, he's still talking about it when we get to chapter 13. Are we still going to be, is this going to come up? Are we probably going to go over a lot of this same stuff when we get to chapter 13? Yeah, probably so. Because Paul, by the Spirit, knew it was important that he brought it up over and over and over. You see that? If you see something in the Word of God and it's there over and over and over and over, take it to heart. It's important. If you find some little obscure something 
Don't take that one little thing and try to turn this big doctrine into it, which happens all the time. No. Take those things that the Word of God speaks loudly and often about and trust those. Trust those. Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. And doing this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Perhaps this morning, some of you have kind of gone into this spiritual slouch or slumber. It is time to wake up. It's time to get back in the fight. It's time to put on the armor and get back in the battlefield. Not looking for a battle, but being prepared for when it comes, because it's coming. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Does that sound like a battle cry? I think it does. Romans eight thirteen. one more time. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So, child of God, may we be at work by the power of the Spirit that is within us. Never lose sight of that. Never lose sight of who you are. Don't wallow around in defeat and self-pity. Trust the Word of God. Trust the promises that are in the Word of God toward you. Stand in His power and might and be putting to death the deeds of the body. Be killing sin. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I give thanks for Your Word. And and I pray, Lord, that today if I got on a soapbox, if I got out on a limb of my own doing, Lord, I pray that You would just erase those things from people's memory even, Lord. But for everything that was true, In particular, your word, Lord, your word, let that ring over and over and over and over in every heart and mind. And may we take it, may we meditate on it, may we truly consider it, and then daily live according to it, to your word. And Father, I I pray that even for someone here, for someone listening to the sermon, if if they are yet lost in their sin, they are spiritually dead. And perhaps they, they've heard the gospel, perhaps they've, they've heard sermons, perhaps they've even read the Bible and it's all been nothing but foolishness to them. That perhaps today, at this very moment, you might shine light into a dark place. That the Spirit might move and breathe life to them spiritual life and lord upon that quickening upon that awakening they see the truth they see you father for who you are high and lifted up holy righteous 
And upon seeing you, they would see their condition of sin. And Lord, a sinner before most holy God who truly sees, truly sees there is no other recourse than to just fall and crumble before you. Father, that you would grant them faith that they might believe the gospel of Christ. Grant them faith that they would believe and receive Christ as Lord. Lord, grant them repentance as they would be just crying out, confessing their sins before you. And Lord, just bring them to yourself and help them that they would follow Christ all the days of their life. Father, for us who are who are born again, Lord, help us to, to stay vigilant. Lord, just cause things to happen in our lives. If, 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 if we go into a, a stupor or a slumber, Lord, I know, I know this is even dangerous to ask, but Lord, cause something to happen that would awaken us to who you are. Cause us to turn our eyes to you every moment as we're about our work, as we're about the the duties of life that, that we must take care of, Lord. Help us to do them in the strength that you supply. And may you get honor and glory from everything that we would say and do. So help us, Lord. We need you. Help us to turn our eyes to you, Lord. Help us to know that much of this is in our hands to do. And and it almost seems wrong for me to even say that. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to choose to sin, but to choose to put to death the deeds of the body. Lord, overwhelm us at those moments when fiery darts come, darts of temptation, darts of all kinds of things that would would try to get us to take our eyes off you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to remember what we've heard from your word. Help me, Lord, to trust and obey your word, not the desires, not the lust, not anything else, but you and your word. So, Father, help us, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.